What's up? I'm Vinny Talata, and you're watching WPOV Global. Wrestle POV, global black and yellow brand. It's your point of view on the global stand. From north to south to east to west, they got you covered like a blanket, but I digress from elite elite to the hot topic. AW Impact New Japan, they got it. Have you laughing so hard? Have your belly aching? Heard any different? I'm sure you're mistaken. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of WPOV Global. I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. And with me, my two AEW-inspired co-hosts. We're talking about the sinister podcaster himself, Elio Canella. Elio, welcome to the show. (laughs) And we could not forget Big Money Andy Anderson. Of course, it's Canadian money, and compared to American money, it's not very big. <laughs> no. well, welcome aboard. So maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm mediocre money. <laughs> More than a peso, less than a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, AEW night. Uh, I think it's encapsulated the best when Andy said, "Man, the second hour saved this show," because it started rough. <laughs> it's. I'll be honest. It's uh, the the past couple days between uh, stuff on on the uh on the pages on social media uh and the show it's been a it's been a roller coaster of emotion there's been some downers there's been some more downers and and thankfully yeah that second hour i think especially well, for me i know uh kind of ended things on a higher note so that that's that was good that's excellent that's excellent elio how was your week buddy my week was great well, yeah. we and- uh we had my dad's birthday on uh monday uh we just had a small dinner. We had the cake and coffee. Nice. Cake and nice. Co- what kind of cake? We had tiramisu. Tiramisu. Oh. Well, that, that's very Italian of you. Italian, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then uh, my mom made another cake uh, earlier in the day. And what that's kind of cake? Just a chocolate cake. That's good. I, don't, I like cake. <laughs> I like cake. You like, I like cake. cake. Okay. Andy? Someday I'm going to convince my wife to make one of these specialty cakes that she learned how to make. It's an Italian cake. I don't know the name of it, but Elio, maybe you know this cake. It's called an Italian love cake. She just yelled out. What you do is when you mix it, you mix the bottom layer is white cake. The top layer is dark cake. When it cooks, they reverse. What? So yeah, whatever, like maybe I got the, the chocolate or whatever wrong, but whatever way you do it, the yeah. densities and the chemicalness of this cake. I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, they, they but switch I, sides. I don't, I don't know the, okay. I, know, I don't, can't think of the name offhand. I'm going to ask. sounds like an Italian black magic cake. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> the Italian black magic. I can't think no. of the name offhand. I know what you're talking she, about. Elio, she says it's called an Italian love cake. So okay. maybe ask about that. And yeah, apparently like you use two different densities of dough and it has ricotta, and she's yelling all this stuff and really annoying me with these. Uh, <laughs> she's trying and, to steal uh, your thunder here now. Yeah, she's trying to get on the show, like always. Yeah. Anyhow, um, so these two different cake, the two different densities actually reverse. It's the weirdest thing ever. You see it in, put it in one way, and then they, it's a very delicious cake because it has ricotta and cake stuff in it. It has a density I can't explain, but interesting. Uh, next time, sometime when we come up, Andy, first, yeah, yeah. first PWA show. That Maybe comes when you back come, when you come. Oh yeah, when you come up, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you're ready. When yeah. I come up, 
Yeah. I will try and bring some of that for you. All right. And your, and your lovely daughters. And your lovely daughters. Excellent. So. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So let's, let's get into this week's, uh, the meat of the matter. We're going to start off with an easy one today. We're going to start off with Elite Delete. Okay. All right. This week's uh, Elite Delete featuring um, the acclaimed. And let's gonna just because I have to sometimes say it slowly for the people in the back bench. Elite doesn't mean we think they're superstars right now. We think that where they are in the card, they're on this card right now, that they have what it takes at this moment to be molded, pushed, and become superstars, to become uh, something important. When we mean delete, we don't mean fire them or get rid of them. We just think at this point of their existence, career, development, whatever, that they probably should be knocked down to uh, dark for a while, get some training, repackaging something, but they're just not at firing full cylinders yet. So that's how we explain that, okay? It doesn't mean, oh, they're crap, get rid of them. Okay, so this week we picked the acclaimed, and I'm going to start off with, uh, I'll start off with you, Andy. What are your feelings on the acclaimed? Are they elite material or are they delete material at this moment? Uh I, I'm going to put them leaning more towards the potential elite. Okay. Just, I mean, you know, the wrestling is there. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, I mean, AEW's got a lot of the more high spot, happy type style, which mm-hmm. isn't exactly my cup of tea, but that's, you know, and I acknowledge that, but, but having said that, uh, I, I like what they, they do. I mean, you know, the, the rap stuff is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think early on we all, we agreed it was kind of hit and miss, and maybe a little more miss than hit. Mm-hmm. But but I think with time here, uh, the more they get to do, it uh, it's getting better. That itself gives them something to stand out. We've talked about with other tag teams. It's like you know, oh, there's all these tag teams are so similar. They don't really have any character. There's nothing really that makes them stand out. This whole thing with the acclaimed makes them stand out a bit more. Okay. Um, yeah, what they did with the Young Bucks, uh, the, that kind of the, the whole rap back then, that was some good stuff. I mean, when they go toe to, you know, I don't say toe to toe with Jericho, but when they can have some, uh, you know, have some knocks on Jericho and stuff, uh, that to me is definitely trending in, in the upward elite direction. All right, so we got one vote elite. Elio. I am going with elite because when we first saw these guys, uh, when I first saw them, I wasn't a big fan of them with the whole rapping. I was like, oh no, we're gonna go redo this gimmick again. So, mm-hmm. but in time, like I started seeing more of them and now I, then I started becoming a fan. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say Elite because also on AEW Dark, I know you guys don't watch Dark because it's like what's 18 hours to- well, we're, we're pretty much in the dark about Dark. <laughs> but what i do is i just uh watch it on my own time but uh they feature them on there a lot and they actually had a video that they did uh on a where they were cut a rap rap uh song on the inner circle jericho and mgf oh like they did with the young buck didn't they do one with was it with the young bucks they did with the young bucks they also did one with the inner circle okay so you're you're leaning towards elite um yeah yep elite okay Now, I'm going to say uh, one thing Andy brought up very, uh, very pointedly is there are a lot of young high spot tag teams in the NAEW at the moment. And there are a lot of African-American tag teams in the moment who vaguely all have gimmicks that are alike or wrestling styles that are alike. So first of all, the rap thing, the rap thing does set them aside because they're actually doing it interestingly 
sometimes funny, sometimes insulting, but it's never poorly done. It's not like, you know, uh, Napoleon Dynamite up there dancing. You know? It's <laughs> actually, it's, <laughs> there's an old reference. It's, it's like the guy who does it, uh, Max Caster, has a good feel and fit for it. And at least that works for them. And the only thing that I would disagree with Andy is I don't believe that uh, the acclaimed or uh, spot uh, fueled wrestlers. I think of all the other, those teams out there, like private party, top flight, and there, and there's a, a bunch more. I think the acclaimed is one of the teams that actually slows it down quite a bit. Uh, the one guy, um, I can't think of the other guy's name. There's Max Anthony, Bo- Anthony Bowens. Anthony Bones, he he slows it down and does a lot of great setup and changes the pace and then sets up for Caster to do explosion. And uh, I think they, of all those teams, they I know like a lot of people love type top flight and I do too because they're nonstop, right? Uh, they're fast, they move stuff, but they make a little more sense than the Young Bucks garbage, right? Um, but these guys have a whole different style, which I appreciate a lot more. I could see these guys having a great match with FTR with Jurassic Express. Um, then I can see them picking it up and taking on top flight. So um, I think there's a great potential in these guys. Um, I've been appreciating the jokes, uh, the imagery. I mean, even, come on, he comes out as a rapper, but he comes out with those big headphones, <laughs> and thing, which looks yeah. like so different than what you'd expect from this gimmick. It's like they put in a lot of effort into what their characters are going to be. And I appreciate that. Now, uh, let's take a look here at what some of the fans have to say about this. Um, all right. Sorry about that. Uh, Sergio Martinez says, you know, they can rest, but man, their rap is terrible. Or maybe it's part of the gimmick. I don't know. Well, I disagree. I, 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 re- I respect your opinion. And uh, yeah, you're right. They can wrestle. You don't like the rap. I get it. There's always going to be p- people we who don't one. like rap. And I would we just want to say one. this. What? Sorry. No, we have one more comment. Oh yeah. Yeah. we get there. I'm just making a quick point here. Yeah. I'm just saying, here's a great example in wrestling. People are not going to like stuff, even if it's way over. Uh, you look at WWE and they have Bad Bunny out. And how many wrestling fans were like, oh, I didn't tune in to watch this crap. Who's going to watch this? And yet he's outselling all the merch of every wrestler. He's a multi-million selling artist through Latin America. And just because you're the typical white North American wrestling fan who doesn't like rap music, I'm sorry, are, we're the minority in that kind of vote of, <laughs> of his popularity. So there's always going to be somebody who rails against something they don't like. And that was the, the point I wanted to make. Go ahead, uh, what was your? Okay, this one I disagree with. Jim Sirigo says, stop the freestyle rap. So I say, no, don't stop, keep going. Yeah, I think the freestyle rap is the funniest <laughs> part. They, they actually, it seems to work. Um, Henry Diaz says, I think they have potential. They already got under the skin of the inner circle. <laughs> um, this one I don't agree with either. Joshua Steve says, Caster can stay, Bowens is trash. Ooh, I do what? not agree with that. Oh. Uh, Pat Frames is not a fan of their gimmick, but they're a good tag team. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, without that gimmick, what do you <laughs> remember about them? Because yeah. they're going to be just generic. I mean, look at Private Party. They were the first team to come out of this whole thing. Nobody even remembers them very much. You know, you, yeah. do we even see them tag lately? I mean, they're running around with Matt Hardy, but... I don't know. They seem to have been eaten up into the thing. So 72% of you said elite. Wow. 28% of you said delete. So it seems that a lot of people are on the side of the acclaimed right now, and we're kind of wishing them the best on this. Now, Andy preferenced earlier that uh, it's been emotionally a tough week, 
And some of it has to do with some of the, you know, we, we had a question that we were a hot topic this week, okay? And this question wasn't, neither of us were trying to be jerks about something or trying to be over sentimental about something. We weren't judging a person. We weren't judging a situation. What we're judging is this business and what things work and what things should work. The question that I put it, and maybe if somebody didn't like uh, the way I worded it, well, tough shit, write your own questions. The what I said simply was this, has negative one outstayed his welcome? Now, what I meant by that, I didn't mean like, oh, he's a horrible kid or blah, blah, blah. What I meant is this, in this day and age of wrestling, should we be having, how old is he, 11 years old? What did they say he is was? Is he that old? No, maybe he's younger. How old is that kid? He's like eight years old or something. You're right. I can't remember. Uh, he's, he's very young. I think he's, he's anywhere from... I will double check the Google machine. <laughs> okay. So should we have a young boy with absolutely no training? And I'm talking young. He's not even in high school. He's not even How did he get the name negative one? Well, think about it. They numbered all the people in the dark order. There's oh, a five. Okay. There's a nine. Yeah. So negative one was just to give him a, a different... Oh, okay. A different yeah. look, you know, to, to keep the number thing, but to try. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's either nine or 11. But anyhow, um, the point here was, um, should in this day and age, should we have this as a recurring character? I would have understand as a one off, totally 100%. His father died. He's a very popular man. He ran this faction. So the faction gave him this honorary thing for one night. But then it turned into a birthday celebration. And that was nice, too. You give this kid his birthday celebration. But lately, he's becoming a reoccurring character who, it, who gets integrated into the storylines. Eight. Okay. Eight years old is what I've been told. Still, that's even worse. My goodness. Um, so should a child this young be integrated into storylines? Now, today, we're going to debate this a little bit. Um, I know Andy has been uh, in the business a long time and he's seen a lot of backstage stuff and he's bringing a wrestler's perspective to this. And Andy, I'm going to ask you, has negative one outstayed his welcome in this wrestling, I don't know, show or whatever we want to call it? All right. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to further preface just a little bit before I answer to kind of what you said, mm -hmm. because uh, yeah. But you know, you, you, you said it right. It, it wasn't a a a knock on on the kid per se, uh, on Brody Lee's family, um, nothing like that. It's it, you know, and, and you said like, and, and this is kind of something I threw out was well, maybe if we worded it differently, saying like you know, should negative one still be featured as a regular feature in AEW programming? Now, what I would like you to do, you know, good listener out there is if you're listening and you're already kind of getting upset, you're already bothered because there was a lot of this, I want you to take a couple of deep breaths and just relax, calm. Let's just, some logic, which is funny because I mean, you know, so often we, we laugh at trying to make logic out of an illogical business. Uh, I'm gonna suggest trying to remove some of the emotion when professional wrestling is such an emotionally driven business like that, that's it's all based on emotion the idea that an eight-year-old is part of a regular faction if we forget the fact that his you know that his father was involved if we take out that his father's you know tragically passed away just a few months ago it's an eight-year-old child on a show 
in a group that's men and women in conflict fighting each other. I don't know what you could say to me that would convince me that that makes sense. As a father, I don't think that's proper. I don't think it's right that this child is in that environment. Okay. When, when Brody first passed, they did the show that it was kind of a uh, negative ones booking or whatever his fantasy booking. That was awesome. That was great. I, you know, I appreciated it for what it was. Uh, you know, the following week or two, they had him again. Okay. Maybe a little more than I would have done personally. Uh, that's fine. The birthday thing, you know what, even that I let slide just to kind of tie in there. It was fun, you know, seeing somebody get smashed in the cake, but let's be honest. It's an eight year old child. And, and if you're going to come at me and say, well, his, his father passed away. I understand that. And it's tragic. I can't say that I could even understand because I've never been in that position as a parent or as a child. Um, to me, though, if you're going to use that logic, that's like saying, you know, like to me, it's like, okay, well, if Tom Brady tragically passed before the Super Bowl, and I don't even know if he has kids, but we're just using this as, as an example. Well, you're not going to see Tom Brady's kids be quarterbacking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. Or if Elon Musk passed away, and I don't know if he has kids, it's not, you know, like his kids are going to take over just because of a tragic, you know, something tragic like that doesn't give it the right to say, oh yeah, we'll just let it happen. This is professional wrestling. This is a business. And in effect, you know, to me, you're, you're putting him more in danger and you're putting other people in danger because what if something happens to him? What if, you know, somebody goes to attack the dark order and by accident, he gets bumped, he falls off the stage. Well, whose fault is that? How do you think, how do you think the dark order would feel? How do you think whoever accidentally bumped him or bumped into somebody, how would they feel? There's no reason for him to be in the ring or near the ring in this capacity. If you, you know, and you're saying, oh, well, yeah, but there's Tony Khan's doing this and it's all about family and they're supporting. Look, they've done their, their tribute t-shirts. They're uh, donating percentages to the family. That's great. If Tony Khan is still honoring Brody Lee's contract, whether negative one is there or not, whether he does it for six months, a year, five years, the terms of the contract, that's awesome. It doesn't mean negative one has to be out there. You put the kid in danger. From a business perspective as a wrestler, look, they've got two hours of primetime television right now. You know, and sometimes guys are getting, you know, everybody's fighting for time. So you're going to tell me that it's more important to give five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds of camera time to negative one than John Silver, Alex Reynolds, Colt Cabana, uh, not even for the Dark Order, Butcher and the Blade, you know, just about anybody. Well, he's the future. They're grooming him. He's eight years old. <laughs> right. Okay. The kid's balls are still four years away from dropping. <laughs> he still has to grow. He still has to learn. Let him be a kid. Okay. He doesn't need to be there. You know what? I'll, I'll even scratch that. If you're going to, if you want him to be on, if you want him to be on camera, you put him ringside. 
where he belongs. Mm-hmm. Have him beside, have him sit on Billy Gunn's shoulders or something, you know, or you know, if they have some member of the Dark Order there, have him out there. Have him as like the official mascot of AEW if you want. Fine. But there's no reason an untrained child should be part of a, a regular group that's beating people up and getting people up, you know, beating people up and getting beat up on a regular basis. I, it just, I, it floored me that as many people were adamant about, well, you know, if, if you don't like that, then to heck with you. And the, there's plenty of ways to help. There's plenty of ways to respect and honor the legacy of Brody Lee. Look at WWE new day. You know, the, the guys wear the, the, uh, the gear that's got Brody Lee tribute classy. Awesome. Uh, for those of you that are Canadian listeners, you're familiar with Hockey Night in Canada. Last Saturday, I think it was last Saturday night, uh, Edge appeared on the opening of the show. He was wearing a Brody Lee t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Brody Lee was a big hockey fan. He was a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Awesome. Classy. But for, for the sake of the wrestling business, for the sake of the kid, please take him off I wouldn't even say take him off TV, take him out of the dark order, put him in the stands. You know, if maybe he's, maybe he's the kid that, uh, that take that runs the ring gear back to the, back to the dressing room, but he should not, not be a part of the dark order. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and counterpoint this. Uh, I took a look at this as a, a business in today's world and the things that uh, we're trying to accomplish if we're AEW. And I guess one of the things we can look at is um, the fact that AEW is trying to sometimes promote itself as a family-orientated, family-fun program. Uh, What other way can show you that the family can all be involved to have an eight-year-old as part of of a wrestling faction? Um, Yes, wrestling can be dangerous, but is it so hard to block it so that uh, he doesn't actually get near any of the actual action? So long as we don't put him uh, in direct line of something, he can always be off to the side directing guys, throwing his papers and, and doing whatnot. Uh, in some ways, it's very commendable. Uh, obviously, uh, it helps the family out. I'm sure every appearance that Negative One makes on the show is uh, compensated rather well for his family. And he probably they probably need that. I mean... Uh, um, Brody Lee was the main uh, breadwinner of that family and losing him was tragic. Um, I can get all of the um, marketing reasons why this seems like a good idea. This is almost like a Disney movie wrapped up in one. You know, you could see this down the future. Walt Disney presents negative one, the story. Young plucky boy goes in the harsh world of wrestling and exerts his will. Him and Air Bud team up. I don't know. But you get the idea. Is I get the, I get the whole point of why this could be an interesting market thing. We could make it. I mean, let's face it. Uh, in a non-kayfabe way, we know that wrestling is predetermined in a lot of things and that spots are set up. So why not make it so none of the spots go near the area where uh, negative one is? Why not make sure that if uh, people follow the script that they don't wander off and hurt this kid? Um, There's a lot of good potential things to say in this world where, uh, I mean, wrestling right now is marketed, uh, especially like WWE to the very young crowd. So here's a boon now. Um, as a kid, I knew um, 
Here's a good example. Batman is one of the most popular comic books in the world. But you know, Batman wasn't so popular until they brought in Robin. When they brought in Robin, kids could identify more so with the action because Robin represented them. They could step into the world of Batman through Robin. You saw through his eyes. Robin in the comics was like a 10-year-old kid who all of a sudden Batman is lugging around and going on adventures with. In some ways, this is what uh, Negative One is. He's the eyes in the portal for children to enter the world of wrestling. And uh, that can be a good positive marketing tool if this is done right and, and kept on an even keel. I'll concede there are times that it'll probably be scary and maybe somewhat dangerous to put him in the line of any kind of fire. But if they played this right, this could possibly be a very interesting uh, way to bring in. And let's face it, wrestling right now, as we look at the demographics and numbers, all the demographics are such a higher age. If you could bring in children now, I think that's a win-win for wrestling and for everybody else. So I could see why they do it. And that's why I say that negative one has not outstayed his welcome yet. And uh, that there's more that can be done with him. Uh, I'm looking at some of the viewer mail. We got quite a bit of it, especially from the AEW fan page, which were rather upset at us for even asking this question. Uh, but there are some other ones. Um, this one I wanted to take really quick. And um, I'm not sure how to, to respond to this letter. I'm just going to read a little bit of it, okay? Uh, Magnus Leisure says, as far as I'm concerned, the not-so-dark order needs leadership. This misfit group of goofy bastards and one hot, albeit green girl, were best with Brody yelling at them and invoking a little fear in their hearts. You can't really fill Brody's boots, but respectively with another wrestler, minus one, or negative one, especially inherited his light father's army. But of course, he's like nine or 10 years old and doesn't know what the hell to do with an army or what direction to point them in. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. But I did love it. And you're going to love this, Elio. He went on to say that they should call Impact to see if they'd be willing to let James Mitchell go. His character would be perfect as someone slimy <laughs> trying to use this kid to get into his army of misfits. <laughs> Put him on the impact. I would set them there. I want to see James Mitchell. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, we got a lot of people who really jumped on this um, topic with stuff like, you know, you guys are assholes. F you for even bringing this up. And all we wanted to do was we're not saying, oh, this kid's horrible. I don't like this kid. Just what he represents and his age is what the question was about. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to read uh, or give knowledge to these people who lashed out for uh, ridiculous reasons, but there were a few people. There's like four comments on the WPOV page that are not so bad. All right, let's start reading them. Let's go to that one. So we have Randy Barra says, it's a great thing AEW did for him and his family. And I enjoyed it very much, but they need to not make him a focus. I don't want to see him in any storylines. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, again, you know, you mentioned about, you know, about being paid per appearance. Look, if, if Tony Khan is truly being family and, and you know, they're, they're, get, they're still getting paid, you should be paying him whether or not he's appearing on TV. Now, here's one from Kenneth Beckner. And uh, it started off great. Uh -oh. I got a little bit weirdly sarcastic. He said, have to admit, I asked myself that same question. Okay, fair enough. But hey, I was blessed with having a father for the majority of my life. So whatever AEW does, I'm okay with it. Wow. <laughs> okay, Kenneth. <laughs> I'll let you uh, argue it out with the AEW fans on that one. Any other ones we want to pull out of there, Elio? Uh, there's really one for um, Brent Burgess. Says, Sometimes... 
He's really surprisingly good on segments, and other times he's hard to watch. Let the kid have some fun, but maybe don't air all of it on national TV. <laughs> That's kind of what we're saying here. Yeah. I mean, he's eight years old. How can you expect him to, to be on and funny and do the things you think he should be written to? You know, uh, anyone who has kids know uh, you can tell them all you want many multiple times and they'll still look at you and forget three seconds after you told them what they should be doing. So hell, a lot of know. the adults are like that. So <laughs> Elio was totally like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's our, he's our child. Talking about. <laughs> now, uh, the numbers came out. Uh, 34% of you say yes. So that's one third of our audience says, yes, he's out doing the welcome. 66% of you say no. And they're enjoying this. And uh, I, uh, you know, we had this argument. I'm, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, we've set our, our, our points. Uh, one of us may or may not have uh, just said points for uh, to be the devil's advocate. And I'm not going to say which one of us it was, but uh, you've heard our debate on this and, Think about this truly through. It's an eight-year-old child, but it's also a television boom. Which one is really, when you think about it, the way to go here, okay? So anyways, folks, we are going to take a quick commercial break. We need a break. I, yeah. I need Andy right now. I need uh -oh. you to bring in lots of oxygen because I'm uh -oh. going to ask you a question in a minute. So get yourself uh -oh. all set up. Oh, no. Elio. Yes, sir. If people wanted to write in, except for AEW fans who want to yell at us and call us assholes, anyone else who wants to write in, where exactly could they write in? So you can do that on Facebook at Wrestling POV Podcast, Instagram Wrestling POV One, and Twitter at Wrestling POV. Well, you know what? I am going to be a lazy prick today, and I'm also going to ask you, Elio, what other networks, if people are tuning into what network they are at this moment, what other network alternatives do they have to tune in to find our fine programming? So you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Podbean. You're missing the big one. All right, tune, tune in. in. Radio. <laughs> tune, tune in, in radio. radio. There we go. And what wherever better podcasts are found. There we go. And, and <laughs> And as I say as podcast, we are, we, we are one of uh, many podcasts on the WPOV network. Uh, we are uh, WPOV Global that you're listening to. We're a show where we are heavily eccentric on AEW. We send, spend the second half of our show uh, taking apart the AEW Dynamite episode of the week and uh, talking about it, breaking it down for you, the listeners. The first half, we have our uh, sometimes controversial debates of hot topic. We have uh, elite delete features. And sometimes we'll be covering other, uh, as they come, uh, major uh, portions or storylines in um, other indie shows that are not WWE related. If you are looking for your WWE fix of the week, we have WPOV Wrestling. You can find that every Saturday on all the uh, networks that we mentioned, hosted by Tony Diaz and Rick Serrano III and the $50 man, Clay Cummings, the three of them. And you know what? I'm brokenhearted, but uh, last week they announced uh, the retirement of probably the best guest slash co-host <laughs> that I've ever had on this entire show. Oh, no. And that's Miguel Cole. <laughs> uh, so, Miguel... I have one tear. As a matter of fact, I might get a tattoo like the guys in prison do, you know, like the tear coming. I didn't kill anyone, I, but I'll get the tattoo. Miguel Cole? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we know he's your best friend. You're his best friend. I did not kill Miguel. Let's just say it was a cold minus 50 day. I was out of wood. He's a puppet. 
I'll let it go from there. <laughs> Anyhow, Miguel, we're going to be missing Finally, you. Miguel Cole got some heat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you listen to that show. Every time he opens his mouth, he's getting heat with somebody on that show. <laughs> some real heat. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can find that. Uh, we also have WPOV Quarantine, which is hosted by the three of us here on Global. Um, it is our Zoom-based show where we have uh, guests come on, wrestlers up and coming, new wrestlers to legends to to people all over the gamut. We have some great conversations. We've had some really fun, big legends on here. We've had uh, the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. We had uh, Bushwhacker Luke, Savio Vega, D'Lo Brown, Glamour Boy Shane, Cowboy Dan Crawford, and a whole slew of young up and coming wrestlers and some guys who've been around who've maybe not made it to the top, but are pretty good, damn good wrestlers like Duke Durango and AJ Sanchez. There's so many good stuff. And we sit the time. It isn't really an interview, although sometimes we'll get into asking questions about things. But it's more of a roundtable forum where we have a topic and we all discuss different various points of the topic. It could be anything from a, a, a territory to, uh, you know, who was who uh, the goofiest crap we saw in wrestling? What was the best tag team ever? We discuss these things. We There's no right or wrong. It's just a really good conversation, a fun time talking about you get wrestling history, you get wrestling insight, and you get lots of POV. So we hope to see you guys. That's now being moved to Wednesdays. You'll be able to find that show every Wednesday. And there's also WPOV Aftermath, which is held after every major uh, WWE pay-per-view where some iteration of our hosts get together and break down the show. So... Folks, we are going oh, wait, to go wait, to wait, 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 wait. We, we, we haven't Don't forget with we Aftermath, we, we also yet. have the pay-per-view points, points game, the WPOV PPV points game. And we and have the new WPOV Defending undisputed heavyweight champion of the world is one of the three of us on this panel. And I'll give you folks a hint. It is not T. James Logan. And, <laughs> and, and I will give a hint. And I will give a hint. He cheated for his fifth time, fifth time to get that. Five time, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. Does that mean that I'm a five-time cheater? Yes. You, Elio Canella, have cheated once more. to get. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, but you, you managed to do it. But anyways, Andy, how did you do on the uh, the points game? You know what? Actually, I did not participate. I uh, I didn't get things in earlier in the day. I had a busy family, family day that day. So by the time... Uh, I actually kind of got to sit down and take a break. It's kind of like the pay-per-view had already started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest. I think I would have done, uh, I don't know if I would have done as well as a champ, but I would have done all right. But, uh, you know, we'll see next time. All right. Well, you we know, we got five Andy, pay-per-views before WrestleMania. So now usually at this portion of the, the program, before we go to the break, I usually ask Andy Anderson to start hawking t-shirts. I am not going to do that this week. I'm not going to do that. Instead, <laughs> I have a special guest that I brought in. All the way from you'll never know where. It's oh, probably no. horrible and sacrilegious to say oh, where no. he was. Oh, I am no. bringing you to sell t-shirts this week. The ultimate warrior. Oh, ultimate oh, warrior, oh. are you ready to sell some t-shirts? Oh, my poor throat and nasal, my, my nasal cavity. <laughs> Warriors, the time has come for us to unite. Under the stars, under the heavens, we must become as one as a team of warriors. If you want to be like the WPOV warrior, you need to go 
to the highest mountain of pro wrestling tees.com backslash wrestling POV. Get yourself one of four. Count them. One, two, three, four, four POV t-shirts. Once you get one, put it on, and you soon will harness the power of the WPOV Warriors. Holy smokes. Folks, that is the most coherent Ultimate Warrior <laughs> promo I have scared. ever heard. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to take a break, and I think poor Andy Anderson probably <laughs> has to take a break. Uh, big money big money. Andy's definitely going to have to take a break after that. Um, we'll be back in a few minutes, and we're going to talk AEW Dynamite. Hey, this is Ron Fuller, and you are listening to WPOV. Hey, folks, we're back, and we're ready to dig in to AEW Dynamite. And this week, uh, I give him maybe, uh, okay, let's get into it. I don't mind. <laughs> Guys, uh, we start off hot with John Moxley. How come, okay, this dude was the former world champion. He's like one of the main event guys and he, they don't let him ever change in the changing room. He has to change out in his car and walk into the parking lot every single time. Uh, I think that's anyways. still over from the Shield days, you know. <laughs> Oh, is that what they're trying to replicate? <laughs> I, I, that was always my assumption was that, you know, he entered to the crowd and that's what the shield did. And it's different and he's a loner. So that's why he does that. Cause he changed. There's no crowd. <laughs> there's no crowd. It just looks like he's coming in from the parking lot every week. Anyhow. Maybe he's late. Maybe, maybe he's like, his yeah. wife is expecting things maybe a little rough. Maybe he's late getting to the show. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, today, John Moxley wearing, I got to say, Andy had to point out to me that those were actually blue jeans. Um, it looked like he was very wearing very unfortunate sweatpants just, because who writes mocks in red on the side of their crotch on a pair of blue jeans? I just assumed they were sweatpants. And I was thinking to myself, why the heck is he wearing sweatpants? Um, anyhow, he um, munches into the rink. Ryan Nemeth, who we've been kind of watching lately, kind of looking at, um, I don't know, but it sure seems like this dude got a lot less fatter than he was a couple weeks ago because now he looked way thinner than we seen him three weeks ago. Yep. God, did he ever look like his brother. He looked like Dolph Ziggler tonight, dressed like Dolph Ziggler, kind of wrestled, except if maybe Dolph Ziggler got squashed in a squash match real quick. <laughs> um, uh, thumbs That's up a mean to drop kick. Yeah. Thumbs up to Ryan for holding in there and uh, making these squash matches. Don't not He doesn't look at least like a total jogger, you know? Um, you can maybe get the idea with his look and stuff that maybe with the right circumstances, he may get a win someday. But uh, we had a very quick squash match here. John Moxley taking the match. Uh, we'll go Rick, before I go over to you guys really quick. He grabs the mic, sits down and gives what I would say was the old John Moxley promos, which uh, talked about a no bunch of nonsense and violence. And in the end, I wanted to watch this match with him Omega even less than I want. And you guys have heard me bitching and moaning about when I heard about this match. So this did not do it for me. Um, your, your, your thoughts on this, Andy, uh, match and promo. 
Uh, not much different from you. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the, this was also the first week up here in Canada that, uh, we are now getting NXT live on Sportsnet, uh, 360. So this time. is, yeah. So this was the first time for me cause usually I don't watch NXT. Uh, so I got to do a little bit of flipping. So I thought it was funny that, and I pointed to what I pointed out was first match of both shows, you know, guys were wearing jeans is, uh, their gear with the, with the Dexter Loomis. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah, which you know, and I, I caught a little bit of you know that that was a more entertaining match than uh, the squash match with Mox and uh, Ryan Nemeth. But uh, it was what it was. You know, Ryan did what he was supposed to do. You know, he did as well as he could, I guess. Um, yeah, and and I'm kind of in that similar thing with you. You guys know that uh, I was for the longest time I was never really high on Mox's promos. Uh, it seemed over the past, I think it was, it was kind of like with Eddie Kingston or maybe just before that, that they really seemed for me to kind of pick up and take a turn that he would get me hooked a little more. But this was, yeah, the kind of rambly, nonsensical, it almost, kill, kill, kill. yeah, it almost feels like trying to fill time versus trying to selling, say something. Yeah, <laughs> so, saying something with some meaning and some meat to it that's. Uh, making you know want to hook us hook us in for this match because like you it's kind of like you know I'm just kind of so so on it to start with uh, this didn't add anything for me. All right, Elio, you got anything to throw in there? And before I go to further, Elio, am I wrong about this? You guys, does Nemeth look like he's lost like weight in his face? I mean, he seemed like he looked a lot chunkier like three weeks ago, but yeah. maybe it's just me. So but, I, but I'm it, not crazy. It could be that hey, you know, like now he's getting in here and you know, hey kid, we're going to use you a bit more and put you on regular TV. <laughs> And in three weeks, I mean, you can help you. You can clean up your body a bit there. So sorry, okay, I, excellent. Because I, I, I was wondering if I was way off. Okay, Elio, you got anything to add to this? So Ryan, Ryan Nemeth. So actually, uh, last week uh, we were talking about how he was our elite delete, and mm-hmm. I pointed out how he needs work on his mic skills. Uh, oh, they showed yeah, they showed a little thing with him, didn't they? Yeah. They sh- they showed uh, I said he actually cut one on a dark a promo on dark. Oh, did he? And how was that? <laughs> Not good. He needs work. Okay. <laughs> what did you think of this week's? I mean, it was really short and sweet, but at least he got to. Yeah, no, this, this week, uh, yeah, well, this week it was short, which was good. So he got his point across. Uh, but this, for me, this was just the squash match, uh, what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Moxley's promo afterwards, though. I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't make out anything that he was saying. He was just rambling on. Yeah, that sounds like the old Mox we know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, next we go. Um, let's see. They do a recap of Mox and Kenny Omega, and you know what? Sorry, but that made me even want to watch it less too, with all the barbed wire and ridiculous junk going on. Um, I didn't want to watch the first one. I don't. I, I even. I want to watch this one even less. Yeah. Um, okay. This part I found really. I don't know. This came off as just bad acting for me. But Ray Phoenix and um, Lance Archer backstage then told that they have to have a match with each other. And okay, they have an announcer who isn't Alex Marvis, who probably knew Spanish too. So why would they, this guy who shows up out of nowhere to translate uh, that Ray Phoenix was calling Lance Archer the worst partner that he ever had? Uh, then they break out into this really goofy, awkward, right up there with Orange Cassidy and uh, remember when Miro and those guys were fighting out in the oh, yeah. 
they had that horror. This was, in my yes. opinion, maybe I'm wrong, but this was some bad play fighting. Oh, this was bad. Play, and that's what it was. Was play yeah. fighting. <laughs> yeah, none of it looked like they were actually trying to hit each other. No. They were. It, it it was not very good. And I kind of, I'd rather not have seen it. You didn't even have yeah. to tell us that, you know. Um, next, we go on to uh, this one is interesting for you guys, and I want to get you guys' opinion because something popped up in my mind as I was watching this. Next, we go off to Brian Cage and Ricky Starks taking on the Varsity Blondes. That's a team of Brian, uh, sorry, of, of Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Now, my problem with this match was before this match started, the announcers were very quick to point out that Sting was in the back and Sting was going to make a point or an appearance tonight. So the problem I had is I couldn't get into this match, even though there were some good parts in it, because I kept waiting for Sting to come out and do something. And I think if they had just told me that Sting is in the back, Maybe in my mind, I would have loved, maybe he will, maybe he won't. And I could have concentrated on the match, but it seemed to me that the whole match, I was told subconsciously that the whole match was just a setup to get Sting out there eventually. So the match meant nothing. And that's how I viewed this. Although there was some good stuff in there, okay? I really, uh, I really enjoyed the part where um, Ricky Starks tripped over Brian Pillman. Did you see the spot? Yeah. Yep. Goes flying down. out of the ring. He yep. it looked awesome. And then Pillman with a beautiful drop kick. Yeah. Uh, sometimes he misses that drop kick. This time was beautiful, straight on the money. Uh, seeing Griff Garrison do that incredibly high dives he does over the top rope. Uh, he's a bit awkward, tall and skinny, but he does some really cool stuff in here. Um, I did have one of my notes and I said to uh, Andy, I thought it extremely ridiculous that um, Brian Cage picks up Pillman curls him to show how incredibly strong he does and then gives him the sloppiest lowest overhead suplex you ever saw like it killed him to do it like all his energy lost i was trying to figure out at what part you were talking about there and then i saw where he had him like this he was going yeah Yeah, but he didn't even throw him high it looked like he almost hit his head with him like and i'm thinking wow man you look so good curling him and then when that horrible lift over it was like oh i must have struggled to get him over and it took away for me the Superman thing that they were trying to get on him. And I, yes. I made the point that I think he, maybe he was blown up because that was when we came back from commercial break, he was curling him. So I think he was doing too many curls and he got a little blown up. So maybe next time he'll do maybe another, you know, five or six less curls and have a little more oomph in getting him over. I get that. But if you're blown up, shouldn't he maybe just dropped him instead of not bothered going uh, for the move? If it's, if you know you're going to look like a shit. Lot of teams, a lot of times these guys are going to go do the spots no matter what. That is true. And there's something coming up in one of the later matches where we'll, that exact thing we saw played out in front of us. Um, so yeah, the match went on. Uh, as I said, the whole time I'm waiting for Sting to run out. So I'm, I'm not really paying that great of attention as I should to the match. However, uh, the last two moves that uh, Brian Cage did were very powerful and extremely good looking. Starks looked great the entire match. Uh, everybody actually looked really good in this yes. match, except for the little Brian Cage's little flub up of the, that one thing, which just, I only say flub up because it took away from the illusion of him being a Superman when he did that. Other than that, though, the match got on track, thought it was really good, but we were programmed in my mind that this match meant nothing. All that mattered is we knew Sting was either going to come during the match or after the match. Uh, anyone have anything to say about the match itself? Uh, I'm going to throw in a little bit here. Uh, I agree. I thought overall it was a good match. Uh, I'm a fan of the Blondes. I thought they had a good showing. Uh, yeah, Starks looked good. Overall, Cage looked good. The only other thing with Brian Cage um, early on in the match, 
outside the ring. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about and you have this on your PVR or you stream or whatever, go back and watch. But outside the ring, uh, close to the stage, uh, Brian Cage picked up Brian Pillman Jr., went to throw him into the into the post. And when he came down... On his butt. Our, but, but he came down on the step. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw that. And like, oh, like I, like I, like shouted out loud. I cringed because I was like, oh, and I was like waiting for him to kind of turn around to like, to, you know, it's like looking to see was there like a welt, is there a scrape, or and I know there was mm-hmm. something there, but uh, and I'm sure that was an accident. But yeah. man, like that, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> well, it looked like um, he threw him wrong. Like Pillman expected to hit a different way and come down, Maybe. and it was right off. Like it, it went awkward, and then Pillman just fell. And it was yeah, just like straight oh. down. And it was like, yeah, like left yeah. cheek was kind of on the on the steps and then right yeah. cheek kind of, you know, like if anything, that's almost like a like a Nia Jax moment there. Like if he would have shouted, Oh my hole. <laughs> I... Oh my urethra. Anyways. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh my taint. <laughs> oh my god, my taint. <laughs> Oh, Andy! As much as much as I would have accused them, as much as I would have accused them of copying uh, WWE, that would have been pretty darn entertaining. Yeah, my taint beats my hole. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to hear about your taint or your hole. Wait, wait, that's a sentence my father never wanted to hear me utter. Anyhow, uh, okay, sorry. Anything else? Let's get to post match. All right, uh, Elio, anything you want to say? No, I, I, I have uh, basically the same things you have. Strokes look good. I like that pill, that Dundalk King Pillman uh, hit to the outside. Okay, so let's cut to the let's cut to the uh, aftermath. Aftermath, that's not that show. Let's cut to uh, after the match. Oh, sorry, guys, when mm-hmm. Sting did finally come out, two things popped in my mind immediately. One, he looked like a very old man stuck in a bad snowstorm because <laughs> He didn't walk out confidently. He walked out like he was cold and hunched over. And I was just like, oh, sting. Second of all, I thought, man, I hope that's not a bestest because nobody needs cancer in this day and age for a wrestling match. Can we, but, can we, can we just back up just yeah. slightly before Sting's entrance itself? Oh, you want to go into that film, that goofy, weird-ass film. Oh. That music alone was like... <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Andy, you describe yeah, this. No, and, and you know what? And, and I'll say this because for what I'm my understanding of how things, you know, appeared afterwards, because at first and even with our group chat, I even said I'm like, I'm like, this is dumb. <laughs> because we're you know, you basically see Sting's hand driving, you see the body bag behind, and in that moment, I mean, you know, if we're led to believe and, and I fell for it, I guess. I don't know, is that it's like, well, is that Darby Allen? I mean, you know, like if what is that? It's like if Sting pulls him in a body bag, it's okay and it's fun. But if Team Taz does it, it hurts. Some weird sadomasochistic something or other. I don't know. Uh, so that was definitely something. Uh, I was very happy to see once uh, Sting came out, as TJ pointed out. Uh, Hook, that's his name, right? Hook. Yeah. Hook. Hook. Yeah. Hook was in the body bag, and I'm like, okay, now that's all right. <laughs> so I'm not okay with an eight-year-old being on TV, but I'm okay with a 16 or 17-year-old getting dragged behind a car in a body bag. <laughs> Apparently, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Now back to you. please carry okay, on. Okay. So Sting coming out looking extreme. I'm sorry. Did Did you guys see that? Did he look like? Maybe they had it on too high, like he was a little bit cold, and he was. <laughs> he looked miserable coming out there. And, and he had the sweater on. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and so, okay, so he gets out there. He's got the body bag. Um, he leaves it there. Then this stuff like this amazes me, okay? Uh, if you're in a feud with some people you hate and somebody comes down from the rafters on uh, Ella Shawn Michaels on a... What do you even call that thing? Um, oh, oh, what do they call those fucking things? Uh, uh, I don't. It's no, it's like a escaping. cord. It's a yeah. It's escaping us all, and we can see what it is. Uh, but anyways, he comes down on one of those things, you know, on the like side. Zip line. Zip line. It's a zip line. Zip okay. line. That's it. Zip, zip line. line. So if somebody came down on a zip line that you hated and were feuding with, so you're just gonna stand there and watch <laughs> him and let him land gingerly and then have him attack you. <laughs> Hmm, I think I would have pulled that jerk off as he went by or something like that. I'd be like, oh, look, a human pinata. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I was, once again, the, there's got to be better ways to do this. Stuff like this always throws you out of the illusion. If they could have done it, maybe they weren't in the ring or something. He had enough time to land. I don't know. But it just came across as goofy. Pulls off his skateboard, beats the crap out of them. Sting gets in there, lays out Brian Cage. So uh, the funniest part, too, was, I don't know if you guys caught this, but in the background of all of this, Taz is flipping out that his son is in there. And then what does he do? He gets his son out. Then he just, they all sort of look at what's going on in the ring, and then they walk away. (laughs) But let's go even one better. Was it you that also pointed out who is missing from this whole thing? Yeah, I said, where is Hobbs? Yeah. Where was Hobbs in all of this? So I don't know. I just think... The beatdown was good. Uh, I wouldn't have even mind if they had somewhat of a beatdown on the other two, the flip side of last week, because you know the problems I had with last week. Yeah, laying Sting out like that just made him look like, you know, nothing. Uh, but this was a bit hotter. Uh, but then where do you go from here? Uh, isn't there still one more week before they wrestle? So, like, I mean, isn't there one more show before they go to the next yeah. show? So, uh, yeah. it's it, it for me is what do you do next? I thought this would be the last part you would do before the thing, or this could have even been what should have been done at the pay-per-view. I, you know what? And I, what I would have even liked to have seen here, and you, you kind of talked about you know them mentioning Sting and kind of that pre-programming us. I was hopeful, and and you know, and it's it's it's, it's kind of tough for me to say this because we've kind of pointed out over the last month or however long this has dragged on, mm-hmm. is there hasn't been really any heat, and it's always kind of you know these team Taz is always kind of backing away from you know, one or two guys or whatever. With the mention of Sting being there, I would have liked to have seen the Varsity Blondes get the win because of like a Sting or Darby. Oh, wow. That would have been awesome. Have that. So you got reason to be, you know, get reason to be pissed off and then have Team Taz beat up everybody. Have them beat up the Blondes, have them beat up Sting again, have them beat up Darby again. Get some heat on those guys. That's what now, I would have liked. Now, maybe this is an age thing. For, and, you know, does does it just seem really bizarre that it's a skateboard all the time that he's using to beat people with? Like, for me, I don't get it. <laughs> it doesn't seem anything frightening, but they treat it like he's walking around with Sting's baseball bat. Uh, I don't. Um, I just, yeah. He's the face of TNT. Oh, <laughs> you just love saying that, don't you? <laughs> face of TNT. Okay. Um, all right, let's let's move on. Um, oh, talk about there is nothing not painful. Whenever Miro 
and uh, Kip Sabin and Penelope Ford, or the best friends in Cassidy lately. This whole schmoz is just horrible. We cut to yet another stupid interview with people we don't care about. Maybe we care about Miro, but we sure in the hell don't care about the Sabian and his wife. I mean, oh. sure, she looks great when she's out there in leather, but other than that, the, her she has no personality. He has no personality. And they're just continually thrown in our face. So this this week, they're talking about their wedding and the interference by uh, um, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Now, I did get a tiny chuckle out of Miro uh, acting like, I don't know, what was he supposed to be? Like uh, uh, the cruel, dominating boss who trying to manipulate you back. Oh, come back, Chucky. Well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Charles, I, I will for, I will forgive you. I won't well, forget. Well, he, but... He's Chuck's new best friend. Okay. Uh, um, this is know. to me, <laughs> this to me is Miro trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. And that's being um, polite. And I don't know, this is the most indie-rific thing. Uh, and I use that word to show because it's sometimes we shouldn't see that kind of stuff, even though it would make me laugh. I did laugh. At the note, the note given yeah. to Tony Schiavone because it was basically the do you like me? Check yes here, check no here, yeah. or maybe instead it was will you face us in a match? Check here for a yes. You know, it is just like the grade five note going across the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> funny in a lowbrow setting did not translate that well for me for television setting. I thought it was kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, now, here's one, and I should, I'll, I'll uh, kind of tell you what this is about. Uh, Brandon Cutler comes walking out, and he's got this mask on and this stuff. And at first, I'm like, hey, who's this guy? And then as soon as it said Brandon Cutler, I was like, oh, he's getting squashed. Oh, they have that dragon mask on? Because yeah. uh, I, I saw when uh, he was already in the ring. Okay. Yes, he came yeah. in with the mask on. Um, here's the thing. Brandon Cutler is, uh, when they started AEW, um, the Young Bucks hired all their closest friends who are all talented except Brandon Cutler who's a great friend of theirs but he is low level he's the Michael Nakazawa of uh the Young Bucks lives and uh so he uh he gets beat up constantly uh he was the one who publicly uh had some bad things to say about JR because he didn't like JR's criticism of a Young Bucks match Oh, that's who that is. That's who that is. And that's why you haven't seen him on Dark for our AEW Dynamite yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's been yeah. living in Dark. He can bear I I'm not kidding you. He's not that good of a wrestler at all. There was not there wasn't even flashes of brilliance in any of this match, I thought. I mean, he did two good dives and that's about it. Well, if I want to go watch diving, I'll go down to uh watch some people in a swimming pool. At what least up, they up? uh have better form when they come down. Yeah. So uh Comes out to a Jack with Jake Hager. This match was, I wouldn't even call it, it was Squash City all the way. It was Squash, yeah. And then uh, the Inner Circle come out. Um, I thought it very strange when they came out, and I, because I, everything's happening, and then you just see in the corner of your eye Ortiz, who did the weirdest entrance into a ring ever by running to the middle rope, bear hugging it, and then falling on his back through it, and then rolling over and getting up. But it looked like he hit pretty hard when he came down. Did you, did you guys catch I that? I did not notice that, no. Nope. Yeah, he came in as they were all running in to rush in. And instead of going through, he grabbed the rope, bear hugged it, and then flopped over on his back and then sort of jumped up like, I'm okay, and went over and attacked him. It was, was, it like, a, was it like a Titus O'Neil running to the ring trip? No, I think he did it as a joke. I think he was doing okay. it as his, you know, he does those stupid like, like the, yeah. things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I okay. think this was him trying to be funny in this thing. And it came off as just 
wow, did that guy hurt himself? Like, you know, but, but when you step back one step, you realize there's no way that was an accident because nobody would ever do what he did to get into the ring. I thought we were past all that. I thought we were past all that with Ortiz. Yeah, I think he's still trying to get some camera time. Obviously, he needs it because they treat proud and powerful like garbage. They're the probably the most talented team, and they get the least amount of whatever. So terrible match here. This is all leading up uh, to get um, the inner circle to do the beatdown. Now, I probably – I think I did skip something, and it was very minor, and I guess it was the tiny setup, of where we had the young bucks uh, greeting yeah, their on, parents yeah. in the back. They have a great big, you know, like the Safeway truck that has the... The semi-trailers. Yeah, the semi... But, you know, how they always have pictures of whatever. Yeah. So so these are AEW trucks. They got a picture of the Young Bucks on each one of them, okay? And so they're all sitting there glowering. Oh, look, Dad, I'm on the thing. Oh, Mom, isn't that great? And so that's the setup because, hey, we know nothing bad ever happens in parking lots. Nothing. Anyhow... so the, the beatdown comes, and of course, it's, it's, it's very interesting, though. Brent Cutler is known to be one of the closest friends with uh, Young Bucks. And do you remember last week, he was the only guy before the uh, Good Brothers came out to do their rescue. He was the guy who actually tried to come out there and help the Young Bucks and got laid out on the stage. Yeah, sure. he was the only dude who came out. So they come out to rescue him. Uh, they do some beautiful super kicking on... Um, the proud and powerful, and then man, they kicked the tits off of Jake Hager. <laughs> I, 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 I still say it's like they didn't. I think it was it was, it was the he held back. Was he think so? I, okay, I don't, I don't think they kicked him. I don't think they were trying. I don't think they were supposed to kick him. I, I, I it just looked like it was so low that even if they had kicked him, they were going to kick his tits. And I think then the commentator said he avoided the drop kick by sliding out of the ring. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was funny. Um, anyhow, uh, then they cut. To, to uh, Jericho well, the, and MJF. Well, before they kept back, that's yeah. the Young Bucks are challenging them. Yeah, that's they, they, yeah, they, cha- they, yeah. They, they, they want, let's, let's do this now. We're not right going to wait. And of course, this is wrestling, kids. Nobody <laughs> really comes out. If you have a big event coming up, no one's going to answer that challenge. Okay? It doesn't happen. You have to, like, work yourself up into a frenzy. So they cut to MJF and Chris Jericho. They've got, uh, and this was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the reaction Andy had to me as we were chatting, watching the show. Um, wow. This was like, it's not even B-level. This is like C-level, Kathy yeah. Griffin kind of on <laughs> a talk show. Terrible kind of stuff. The Young Buck's father, uh, with the worst fake blood job, <laughs> selling the worst, be- fakest beat-up. You know, even, I'm pretty sure the best friends went, wow, actually. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Rod Simmons somewhere is going, damn. Damn. (laughs) So um, this was uh, pretty bad. Uh, It was even worse, guys, when they showed later than putting him in the hot into the uh, on the stretcher. Yeah, yeah. And he still had the same look and the same blood and the same expressions (laughs) laying back. I was just like, dude, just stop. And again, (laughs) it's still still confusing. You don't know what's going on with the Good Brothers because they even went in the ambulance too. What? The Good Brothers? The Good Brothers. They were there? I didn't, know. I didn't yeah. even notice. I, yeah, I didn't notice them either. Yeah, yeah. When they were loading uh, the father into the ambulance, uh, the Good Brothers uh-huh. were, were, were there. Wow, I was so fixated on how bad the father was having it up that I missed that. Yeah. Uh, and then let's also give a, a special consideration to uh, uh, how people in wrestling, no matter how mad and how bad you're trying to get someone, you forget how to run properly. So you kind of run at a slow motion thing. When MJF and Chris Jericho are like 
slowly driving away. Uh, Matt Jackson is like running. Oh, I don't know. I probably can roll faster than that. <laughs> as he's running towards the car. Before if he was Northern Life suplexing, he would have been going a lot faster. <laughs> he should have grabbed his brother and just rolled yeah. him across. The- <laughs> Anyhow, so that's set up, of course. We know that uh, this is to give even more fire to the Young Bucks. Their father was yeah. done bad. You uh, killed my father. Thing, guys. To die. <laughs> I think we can. I'm pretty sure we can all say this was pretty crapalicious after all the comments we made here. My um, Matt Jackson, you made my father bleed. Prepare to die. Oh, <laughs> it, you know what? He that's how bad his acting is. Oh, that's exactly how it's going to sound. I, I just have to say because I have to say this on my own because yeah. yes, I messaged you. It was like lower than B movie, lower than C movie. The yeah. face. I this is. I wish we were a Zoom show for this one because I would love to try and recreate the facial expression. The <laughs> and and it's like whatever the tomato sauce or the strawberry jam, whatever that was, that was globs bad. of stuff he had on his face. It, it just to me that I'm gonna, I don't know what his name is. I'm going to call him Senior Buck. Senior old buck. Old buck. Old buck. Thank you. Old buck makes the Mrs. Dad look like an Academy Award winner. Okay, because that. Oh, just. just I and I think this is the other thing too. Is as we were kind of we were going as we were you know as they were making the challenge and we were going backstage to see. Um, and JF and Jericho. And that was my, and I think I even said to you, my first thought was like, oh, I hope they have his dad. And then we, you know, we get the wide shot and they see him with his dad and we see that, how that looks. And I'm like, oh, this is too bad. I wish they hadn't used his dad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I wish they, they hadn't used his dad because the potential was there. But then as soon as they did that, like that, you know, in, yeah. in, that, that was indie-rific wrestling. That was indie-rific movie. That was. It was low budget all around. It was not good. And, and, yeah. Wow. Eh. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's. Um, yeah. This is just leaving a bad taste, man. Let's move on over now to uh, Isaiah Cassidy versus. Oh, oh, uh, oh no! 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 Back up! Back up! What am I missing? You're missing the package. The package. Jade and Shaq. Oh, it's not in my notes here. Huh, I must have hated it that much. You know what? My first thought is the same thing you did. They did a little package, and they actually showed Jade in a wrestling ring doing a few things. My first thought is, why didn't they show us this last week? Yeah. This is stupid now. But then again, they didn't really even show much, and they sure showed a lot of goofy shit with Shaq. Shaq doing the, the facial. Shaq. Uh, Hitting the mat. Oh, jeez. They showed the backstage with uh, Jade attacking Brandy in yeah, a little bit of the recap stuff. Yep. And, and and poor, you know, they keep showing some of this, but poor vet Red Velvet. They don't. Even, they mention her name once or two. She is definitely a non-factor in this whole match, and they're telling us that this whole thing is a non-factor. Like, well, this 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 the match is next week, and this is what I said to you afterwards. I'm like, how do you not have them there live? Yes. Like, let's have some interaction. Let's, you know, how. Let's let the heels get some heat. Well, this is my prediction is it's next week, right? 
And I think, you know, there was a time the WWE was trying to promote or trying to sign Shaq versus the big show. Yeah. Well, Paul Wright makes his debut next week. I think we're actually going to have a schmoz, not a real match. Jade Cargill is going to look awesome without having to win or anyone to lose. And somehow this is going to translate later to a big show or whatever the heck he's going to call himself. Yeah. Uh, the giant or whatever uh, versus uh, Shaq yeah. later on. I, this seems like the more sensible thing. Now, this was something yeah. they were trying to get done before because, you know, uh, Paul Wright can carry him. Shaq, he's big enough to carry yeah. him to uh, a reasonable match. Okay. I still think, however, Jade Cargill, she is destined for, to sh- at least they're going to try and shoot her to the moon. And that's what the whole so- purpose will be of next week. Yeah. Okay? I, and I'm not disagree with that. I just, you know, I'm going back to, and, 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 you know, and I'll compare this to WWE, and this is why WWE does things better, especially yeah. with celebrities, because, you know, if, if they talk about, oh, you know, and even Cody's like, oh, yeah, well, it's to draw attention. Well, how about having them there and, you know, getting us to buy into something, having having us get hooked that we want to tune in next week? Like, yeah. it's cool that they showed the video, but what, you know, like, what makes you want to tune in next week to see it? Yeah, they're not playing two-on-two, are they? Because that's the impression you would have got yeah. if you just watched last week's thing. Oh, this is a celebrity basketball thing? Because they gave no indication that Jay Cargill's wrestling was worth anything or that she could do anything last week. Uh, they should have done that with the package they showed this week, at least gave you a glimpse of maybe she could do something. Yeah. You know, um, not a fan of this. I, I really hope they prove us wrong. I hate, too. I hate feeling like I hate something before I see it. Uh, same as I hope Omega and uh, Moxley have a great match, but just what I'm hearing, I'm not digging and yeah. it's presentation. Uh, okay, so we're going to move over to um, uh, Adam Page versus Isaiah Kennedy, okay? Um, they have an interesting match. There's a few – okay, I have uh, a serious question that I need to ask you, Andy, and Uh-oh. this is a question that I want you to ask, answer seriously as a okay. wrestler, okay? okay? Okay. What is the difference between a clothesline and a lariat? <laughs> I'm very curious about this because – I, You know what? I, I, I don't know that I can give you a great answer about it, and I'm sure there's probably a good one just – uh, to me, a clothesline seemed like there was a bit more bend in the elbow, kind of a hook to the neck like that. Uh, a lariat, I always took, I mean, and I think probably the earliest uh, example of a lariat for me, and maybe you can relate to this, mm-hmm. was Stan Hansen, AWA. Yes. And, you know, and when you see him do it, you see JBL do it, and, and it's almost like with the wind-up, and the coming like more of a straighter arm where you're mm-hmm. literally going to take somebody's head off where a clothesline, there seems to be a bit more like a crook in the elbow and you're kind of hooking that way that, you know, I, I wish I could sound, sound smarter, excuse me, mm-hmm. as, as a veteran to, to give you a, an answer, but that's, that was kind of always how I took it was, you know, a clothesline. Cause you know, you can say like a short arm clothesline, there was always kind of the more of that, that bend. And again, if we were in a zoom call, I could probably demonstrate a bit better. Yeah. So hopefully people can visualize, but you know, you have that kind of hook like that. Whereas when you'd have like a Stan Hansen, Larry at a JBL one, you know, you were getting more of that straight arm coming at you. Okay. Like, like, like in a football, sometimes, you know, you can see guys where they get quote unquote clothesline and then there's, you know, where they get hung out to dry and it's just that straight arm coming through. Okay. Now I've asked that question uh, to many veteran wrestlers as I can find when I somehow, okay. if I can work it in yeah. half the wrestlers will give an exact answer. Like you've given the descriptions yeah. or not half of them say to me, well, if you're a cowboy, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. 
the only reason that bothered me so much is he did that kind of move that Ishii does the run where a guy's down and you do that kind of running sliding clothesline yes but then they called it a lariat and i'm just like okay <laughs> is this yeah. just because he's a cowboy is that so that that's been a debate i've wondered for many years and like i said i don't really have a vested answer i'm not trying to make fun of anything i've had many people explain differences like that um then then you get stan hansen who describes when they how he came up with the lariat and he said well i i can't really see that well so i actually <laughs> didn't know i was in so high <laughs> So who knows? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I hear that too. Yeah. So um, this is an interesting match. Uh, why on earth, if you are a shorter, smaller guy, and I notice this, this is a very uh, indie thing too. Why would you wear basketball looking gear if you're clearly not tall enough or heavy enough to be a basketball right. player? Isaiah Cassidy comes out all the time in this goofy looking yeah. um, stuff. Uh but then again, his partner comes out with the stupid uh, tails and whatnot. So I, these guys really, I, it doesn't stick in your mind. It just, it really screams indie wrestling because it screams that he didn't buy gear, that he took some basketball gear and running shoes and tried to make himself look like a wrestler. This is something where I think, you know, with this whole big money Matt thing, that there should be a little bit of a makeover there. There should be because Matt's making himself over. Yeah, I mean, he looked totally different in his suit and whatnot out yeah. there. And that's, I think, those boys need that too, is to have something, you know. Yeah. Maybe they still want to have a bit more of a street look, but it, it's got to be classier than than you know cheap tails and basketball. Yeah, they really do look like they are right out of the indie circuit, and they they never bought proper gear. Yeah. You know, and that that's not a reflection on their wrestling, but people are going to look at them at a step lower. If you can't dress the part. How do you yep. expect to be the part? Okay, so this match, um, it was interesting. The whole uh, story of this match was uh, Isaiah Cassidy trying to counter as many of the lariat slash clotheslines that uh, Adam Page kept throwing, which I found very strange that all of a sudden Adam Page, who's an accomplished wrestler, decided today that the only move he knew how to do was the clothesline, and damn it, he was going to do it until he took this guy down. And he basically threw so many clotheslines, half of them blocked, half of them set in, that uh, it just seemed a little odd to me. It, I just didn't feel like it, it showcased Adam Page as a good wrestler at all. He just looked like a big guy trying to beat up the little basketball guy. Um, Matt Hardy gets kicked out for interfering. Uh, the Dark Order are there. At the end, the Dark Order celebrating in the ring with, um, with Adam Page when Matt gets on the microphone and starts saying, how dare you go in with the dork order than me? And then he says he's going to destroy every member of the door, dark order. And this came off as a very gingerly ridiculous beatdown of uh, number five came out looking like he pretty much walked himself to the stage and almost jumped and flipped with the thing. None of it came off as dangerous. Matt didn't come off as enraged or scary whatsoever. It, this I found this really kind of a this whole scenario was not up to what it could have been, and I felt disappointed in it. Andy, what did you see in there? Uh, you know what I I enjoyed this match. Uh, I saw it as as good intensity and aggressiveness by Adam Page, and you know at least this match it wasn't a squash. There was some purpose behind it. There was some story behind it, which uh, which I liked. So kind of a little bit more for the emotional uh, investment, the emotional involvement. Uh, like a few other things that I kind of touched on, you know, you touched on the, uh, 
the gimmicks, the outfits, uh, you know, the makeover, I think is definitely something that needs to happen. Um, yeah, it was, it, to me, it was a solid match. And to this point, it was the best match of the show. Okay. So I, you know, I it started picking up second hours, it, picking it, up what's well, business. Business is picking up. Isn't that what the, is that how it goes? Yeah. I think that's what JR would always flog at us. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. you got out of this? For, uh, for me, uh, this is uh, where the show started picking up the second hour. This was, uh, I was, uh, good with this match. Um, with uh, Paige, uh, doing all those clotheslines and um, Matt Hardy coming out, Dark Order. Do we do we see do we see uh, Adam Page of like taking over the Dark Order? Do you see yeah. that as a possible scenario where they just naturally make him the leader? Because they... I mean, it seems like John Silver's sort of the kind of leader, but he's so in love with Adam Page, you can see him <laughs> basically like, "Come on, Adam, you take over." I, you know what? I think that'd be interesting. That sounds like a hot topic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll all shut up and talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, that's, fair enough. All right, I won't say anything. I like that. that. Yeah. Something. Okay, let's do that. Okay. Elio, good, good call. Okay, yeah, that's why you're the champ and the cheating. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on now to uh, a match which, on paper, I was worried about. Um, not sure what I was going to get out of it. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, we did have, oh, okay. I went to the bathroom and I missed something. <laughs> yes. And No, I really did. And I looked up the site to see if I missed anything. And they said, Alex Marvez finds Kenny Omega and Don Callis working on the Moxley. Oh, yes. yes. What the yep. hell was that? What did I miss? Because I sincerely missed this, guys. Uh, they, no they, 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 were this, they were in this warehouse and uh, Omega and... Uh, Callus were working on something like uh, Omega. Was, Omega was Callus was just there. Yeah, Omega was, uh, and Callus was like telling Marvelous to get out of here. Why is he here? It, you know what though? It looked. It, it, it's like Elio said. It was kind of like a warehouse, kind of like a workshop thing, with like the welders and yeah. There was there's a couple guys kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny, he had on like the protective gear. He had the helmet on, and he was you know he was working on stuff. Alex comes in. He starts talking. Callus has to put his face out there and whatever, but I, I liked it. I, I thought it was, it was neat. And you know, the mm-hmm. only thing, you know, whether this is by design or not, you know, to say the Moxie elimination chamber, when your competition just had the elimination, an elimination chamber. chamber. <laughs> yeah. So eh, on that uh, visually though, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. Okay, so what was it? That I'm still unclear of what it, you guys it, saw. You, you, you didn't really see anything, just because, like you said, like it, well, it was like a, like a shop, mm-hmm. and so like you know the camera from the angle you're getting is you you, know, you got Kenny's back, so you don't really see much, and he's just you know hammering down, working on something, yeah. and the, the the kind of the overall the bib thing to mm-hmm. me, maybe Ali, if if you agree or not, my. My original thought when I saw that, it was almost like a Leatherface kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of look. I guess what I'm trying to get here yeah. is, what was the point of this? Is it was this... just it, it it was that uh, he was he was you know it's what it, I think he even said it. It was like you know some things you know if you want them done right, you got to do it yourself. Yeah. And so, however, they're preparing this, so that means he's preparing gimmicks and booby traps and oh, whatever. Okay. It's, it's not just you know, the, it's not just 
uh, AEW production putting together this barbed wire exploding ring death match. It's he's actually you know he talked he talked about uh, working on the charges and the trip wires and and stuff like that. So it's almost like he's gimmicking up, he's booby trapping, you know, okay. stuff that he's going to take it to Mox. Okay, okay. So yeah, when I read that, I was like. I'm going to have to ask the guys what the hell this yeah. means <laughs> because like, Moxley exterminate. Oh, ah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next uh, we had a match that I thought I was prepared to hate. And yet I thought this match was pretty solid. Nyla Rose and Britt Baker. Um, Nyla Rose. Well, let's go to Britt Baker first, man. She looked like a heavy duty woman star here. She yeah. carried herself like she was freaking Charlotte Flair. You know, she was out there doing her thing. She had the cockiness, the swagger. She took it to Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, um, unfortunately for her, didn't look as big as she is. She didn't come across as a beast because uh, Britt Baker took her arm out really early and and consistently. And uh, at the end, Nyla Rose getting the victory, got to admit, I was pretty surprised by that. Um, I looked like this was all the way for Britt Baker, but... Uh, I got to say, I, I'm not a biggest fan of Nyla Rose matches, but this was a solidly good match. I enjoyed it. Um, the only thing that makes me stink out about this tournament is that uh, the coming Sunday, Thunder Rosa and uh, Riho are going to fight on YouTube for free. Why? Uh, you can't tell me we could have got rid of Isaiah Cassidy's match or Brandon, you know? Yeah. That was a match that I think had a lot of legs that people would want to see a lot more than some of the stuff they had. So, uh, Andy, what did you think of this match, man? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty much on par with you. Uh, not a big Nyla Rose fan. I, I enjoy Britt Baker. Uh, I think she's steadily improved in the ring. Uh, it, it was a solid match. I thought both showed very well. Uh, some good back and forth. Uh, I, you know what? I, I still felt like Nyla looked like the like i guess the big woman you can't mm-hmm. say the big man but but uh you know the big woman like it 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 was there for me like i i bought into her being the heavyweight uh, i think i even messaged you at the start of the match i'm like okay so to be clear this is a heel heel match right <laughs> yeah you were like yeah. i was like uh, i think so <laughs> okay but uh it, it was good i liked um uh what is she what, what's the name for rebel, her? rebel or reba what do they yeah, really want to call reba, this but, week? um what, what what's the the mandible claw? What is she? Oh, the lockjaw. The lockjaw. I loved the way they worked that. Yeah. You know, like with her struggling to kind of get her kind of into the yeah. into the uh, into the hold there, into the submission, and then trying to work through it, and you know, didn't get it the first time, went back to it again after. Uh, good storytelling to me, and you know, it, it you know put over the resilience of Brit to keep doing it. It put over the size and the power of Nyla to kind of prevent her from doing it. So. And I'm, this is where I sound like a broken record. You know, we have, we've had the odd exception over the past few months, but it seems like the women's division every week we're getting, you know, we're getting delivered solid matches. And yeah. I was glad to see this one, especially, you know, for the, for the tournament. Uh, I thought, you know, I would have picked Britt to go over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way this match went, I, I was cool with Nyla taking the win. So what do we see, guys, next week? Nyla versus Riho or Nyla versus uh, Thunder Rosa? I, you know what, I right now for me it feels a little too close to tell, but either way, it's gonna it's gonna be back to kind of like the the beast and the underdog. Okay. Stick, I'm sticking with Riho. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Riho too. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Um, let's move on now to, um, we had an interview, which, you know, this, this sometime, I don't know what is with FTR. Sometimes I feel like they give really good stuff. And sometimes like today was a very generic, weird interview. Like, because I almost forgot they did one, you know, they're talking about Jurassic Express. They, I think if a guy hasn't wrestled for 30 years, I don't think we should be reminded that he hasn't wrestled yeah. for 30 years. That seemed like a bit of a misstep. Yeah. <laughs> you had me when you, he was the, the engine of the horseman. Yes. All that stuff. Yeah. But then you killed it. You know, it's sort of like uh, Brian Cage curling somebody. Yeah, you're strong. Oh, you can barely lift him over your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was the engine of the horseman 30 years ago. Here's some pictures in black and white because that means old. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell me there wasn't colored pictures then. <laughs> we had the after bags. Come on, exactly. Um, yeah, so kind of a miss on this promo for me. <laughs> oh, and then of course we wouldn't have some prerequisite swearing somewhere in here where, unless we had Marco Stunt <laughs> yeah. actually swearing and trying to yeah, be the wow. tough guy. Why is it all the small guys like him and Taz have got to do all the swearing? They're so angry because they're small. I. Uh, maybe know. i don't know those but those words make them feel big they make them they make them big all right uh and next we go now to the main event of the evening um ray phoenix and lance archer and uh first thing andy says to me he looks at the time he's like holy crap this is gonna go 20 minutes <laughs> like, yeah. but the match got pretty good yes it, it started uh one thing i want to say about ray phoenix and you know most times you see him he's right on the money you know, he does all this crazy shit. And you're like, yeah, wow. You know, however, tonight he had one of those, well, he had three of those moments where he wasn't on thing and he looked awkward as hell falling into wrong positions. Do you know, uh, we talk about doing a move and then missing it. And then I, one of the worst things is you go for a move, you fail it miserably. So you pick it up and try it again. Um, the spin kick off the rope yes. where he missed him by a mile. The first, like he, he, no, let's say this. Archer did not move to miss this. Archer stood where he was supposed to and Phoenix kicked five feet in front of him. <laughs> and, and it was so bad. And then he went for it again. This time Archer just caught it. But I mean, um, some that's the only bad thing about doing this kind of moves. I mean, there was a time where, uh, Phoenix went up to the ropes and Archer went into the corner and Phoenix missed his thing and basically just fell down beside him and yes. then kind of jumped up and went like, Oh, Oh, you know, like yep, yep. there was a few of those things happen when you do these kind of highly intricate off the rope moves, but then he does that great stuff where he runs across the rope and kicks you in the face and it looks pretty credible. Or what you know? was the other one he did was, did he jump off the top rope, land on his feet, did a roll and then popped up to a cutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. I like that kind of move. Um, I think the only thing that I didn't like about this thing and which could have made it even more interesting is they really, the announcers who should be guiding you through to see the things to make this the, the most important really didn't play up the fact that Phoenix is more than a foot shorter than yeah. Lance Archer. They didn't even make it seem like it was small man versus big man, which I think would have sold much better in our minds. Instead, they just presented as, well, Phoenix is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And it's like, you should it's noticeable to look you can see their differences yes if you pointed that out we play on that and we see that phoenix in the underdog role and we start pulling more for him in the sympathetic way which just is not that, that's the whole thing of a good commentators they're the guys the last presentation 
They're the, the, the voice in your head mixing with what you see. And I thought they kind of crapped the bed on this one. Uh, they could have made this a lot better. But that being said, it was a very strong, good match. Yes. Uh, Lance Archer taking the win, moving yeah. on to the next round. Um, and then they do a nice little thing. Archer picks up Phoenix and they fist bump. Fist bump. Uh, Andy, anything on this match you want to point out? I I, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And I have no bones. You know, you guys, I, I always say it. Like, I, you know, if I'm, I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to say I was wrong. But, yeah, the, you know, it's like, okay, time for our main event. And I'm looking at the clock. And I think it's like, set, like for our time, it was like 741. And that's where I was like, they're going to give this match 20 minutes? It's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, in my head, I'm trying to think, okay, this is a go-home show. Like, how do you fit Shaq and Cody or anything else relevant into, like, next week's show like you know if this match ends what's what's you know what are they going to go into we're running out of time desperately yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and, well that's the other thing too is it's like okay well this match is whatever like a 30 minute or tv time limit okay but this is to determine a spot yeah they said that so it's like so what so if they go the tv time limit then they're both out of luck no they're both in this is eight they're both in (laughs) just kidding Anyways, yeah. Um, when he said that, Andy, I had that same thought. Yeah, yeah. And I get saying it normally, but when it's like for something like this, where you're competing to, you know, gain entry into a match, like on a pay per view or whatever. Uh, no, I I enjoyed this. This was way better than I expected. Uh, you know what? It's maybe I didn't notice with the commentary about uh, the big man little thing, but but that was how I saw it. I think I even said that it, you know, in, in our conversation while we were, we were chatting was uh, they, they played off well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple little clubs aside, it happens. I thought they had good chemistry. I I'd be up for seeing these guys work again, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm enjoying, I, although it was sort of a baby face, baby face match. I mean, we had Jake kind of interfering a little bit in there. <laughs> Uh, you know, but that was fine. He grabbed he grabbed Ray's foot when he was on the top rope at that one point. But then that set up for Jay kind of leaning over on the stage, talking to Archer for Phoenix to come and dive over top. That was uh, that was good. Um, I don't know the the one thing, and this is just my my preference. I get you know Archer can walk the ropes and and do the the, the moon salt and. Uh, on the outside, he did like that little running cannonball into him. The fact that we've got someone that is such a great high flyer like Ray Phoenix, and we have that size differential, and Lance is such a big guy, such a beast. To me, this is one of those matches. We didn't need to see Lance Archer do any top mm-hmm. rope stuff. Mm-hmm. Let Ray Phoenix shine, you know? Yeah. Be big, you know, Lance Archer, be King Kong. Be, be the monster and, you know, swat away at the, you know, the, the planes that are Ray Phoenix kind of coming at you from all angles. Um, and not a big deal. I mean, that's just more of a preference thing, but I, I didn't think we needed to see any high flying from Lance. Like, be the monster, be the big man that you are. Okay. Uh, Elio, any last things you want to say about this match? I thought this was a good match. Uh, I thought they, with the size difference, they worked well together. Mm-hmm. I like that uh, one clothesline that Archer delivered uh, when Phoenix was on the apron. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, there was some solid stuff in here. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in this match. All right. Um, now, uh, 
I have one. Sorry, I did have one more question that I wanted to ask Andy when we got wrapped up in uh, right. in the clarity. This one is actually a very even more serious question. Oh, and I'm not joking here. Okay. okay. Um, you know, we have a lot of um, I don't know misgivings, or uh, a lot of us don't like the coffin drop because you know Ooh. a wrestler is pretty dangerous position. He's not seeing coming down, right? Uh, however, there is one move lately that I'm finding and a lot of people are criticizing heavily and we saw one tonight and I just wanted your opinion as a wrestler. Is this a movie you would even take uh, if you could do the physical limitations now of it? Uh, the Poison Rana is, seems to be an extremely dangerous move where you're flipping backwards and not knowing where your head's coming down. Um, what, what is your view on that? Do you, do, you, do you just think it's another... Like, in your honest opinion, is it just a, another high-impact move, or is it a dangerous move, or potentially dangerous move? I, yeah, I, I think with the amount of – so that's that's where – so if I just make sure I understand correctly. So, you know, if you were, you and I are wrestling or something, and let's yeah. say I go to pick you up for a slam, uh, you go in behind me so that kind of like I'm facing – we're both facing the same way. You're in behind. You yeah. jump up onto my shoulders and then I kind of do like the flip back. It's a, it's a hurricanrana reversed yeah, reversed. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think like, you know, me, me 20 years ago, mm -hmm. I'm sure I'd be like, Oh yeah, sure. No problem. Like, <laughs> you know, you said the physical limitations, me today, no. not a chance. And, yeah. <laughs> I meant you though, when you're a little more smartened up and yeah. still could do the physical limitations, <sighs> would you take that kind of move? Because there's a lot of people who are very critical of this move now because it seems to be an extremely dangerous move. Yeah, I I mean, we could say that about a lot of moves. I don't mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessary. Um, mm -hmm. I, I would almost venture to say kind of the risk versus reward. I don't know that it's really worth it. Okay. That's, you know, that's, I, I just wanted your yeah. honest opinion on that. Yeah. Because like I, I, that's a move that I'm looking at and I'm like, ooh, like really just one slip up there and a guy's going to break his neck and not realize it because he can't see what the hell he's doing. He has to just flip backwards and hope his head doesn't land between the legs wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, and I guess there's, you know, there's, there's guys that, you know, for a lot of these guys that can do the standing back flips. I mean, and to an mm -hmm. extent, that's kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess it, it's the kind of move. Comfortable. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's the kind of move, Andy, like a lot of your moves that you'll take, you know that the guy's protecting you. Yeah. And it seems awfully hard to protect someone in this kind of move because neither of you can really see yeah. where they're coming down. I, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to visualize it now. as like to have somebody, I mean, because really it's you're still kind of taking your own kind of standing backflip because mm -hmm. even if, you know, like if you jumped onto my shoulders and you had dropped down, I'd probably still be you know, strong enough to hold you that, you know, the momentum in theory wouldn't pull me back over into a flip. Right. So I still have to do the jump. So I guess, you know, in the end, if you feel comfortable enough, like, some, you know, some of this, the, the vertical that these guys have that they can do these standing backflips, maybe it, it doesn't feel that much different to them than like a, a regular one. Whereas for me, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. you know, kind of in my, my heyday, in the earlier 2000s there there wasn't very much of that so i don't you know even then yeah it's hard to measure okay yeah i'm just curious because i'm sure yeah. you've seen that move and i just want to know if yeah. that move made you wince when you saw it or when whatever it's a wrestling move. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, I i probably just honestly i you know like i've seen it and it, it doesn't stick out to me like it, it could be flash or whatever mm -hmm. but i'd rather see something else hard hitting more impactful okay. than, than okay. that all right. Well, you know what, guys? I'm going to wrap up the show. Uh, 
we're going to have to put in our votes and, and see how we report card this one. Uh, two things I did notice about this show that I think needs to be pointed out. Number one, really downplaying the audience for an AEW show. I just noticed that really didn't really notice the audience very much or they didn't have them very into it like they try and do a lot of times. So I'm, I'm guessing it was a taped show and not a live one. And that's probably the limitations. They did, they did show on Billy, Billy Gunn and his... Uh, right, but I mean... Yeah, like the actual the audience, not the wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the actual audience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's, you, it's funny you say that because to me, there was at one point and maybe I didn't you know, consciously realize that they didn't really show much of the crowd. Mm -hmm. But to me, I wondered at one point if the sound noise was being piped in. Ah, I did have okay. that thought. Okay. And now if you had told me, and this, you guys may not agree with me on this one at all, but looking on paper and then seeing tonight showing you, and if I knew that tonight I was going to say that Nyla Rose and Britt Baker had the best match of the night, in my opinion, I would not have believed that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been I, like, oh, but, uh, I, I want to ask each of your guys, we'll start off with Elio. Elio, how are you going to report card tonight? Uh, um, so the first uh, hour was um, up and down. The second hour is a little better. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with a B. B. All right. Andy, how are you going to rate today's? Uh, I'm kind of waffling and, you know, I always enjoy when you pick Elio first because then it kind of like gives me a bit of a gauge mm -hmm. instead of setting the bar. I, I was thinking between a B minus and a C plus. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the, the first hour and I know, I know I checked my watch to see what time it was because things felt like they were dragging a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I, I look back now and it was like, okay. We had the Mox match, and then it was like video package, promo, package, package. Oh, and then another match, and then the interview. Squash, just, squash, yeah, squash. It, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, but, you know, the women's match was good. The main event was good. Uh, I, like I said, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to stick to a C plus. C plus? Okay. C plus. Um, I was trying to rack in my head, too, what to think about this one. Um the few, you know, young bucks, quit trying to act. It's not your forte, and I'm not trying to be a dick. You got the whole thing with your father today was that was embarrassingly was bad. bad. That was Myro and the best yeah, Kip Sabian level garbage. It's it's not good. Um, the first there was a lot of garbage on the first part of the show. Uh, John Moxley in a very weird squash, wearing weird clothes, just kind of threw me off to start this whole thing off. It did pick up a lot in the second hour. I may not have been the biggest fan of the Adam Page match, but up until then, it was probably the best match on the card, you know? Yeah. Um, the last three matches really delivered. The first part was a little boring. Um, not having the crowd gave me a flatter feeling than AEW usually gives me. And But even, even preferencing, yes, you saw Billy Gunn in them, but the truth is it seems that they play them more into the audience where you see even the wrestlers moving around more, but it seems like they really shied away from that this week. Um, so as I mix it in my head, this is better than the last couple of weeks. Not great, but better. And I'm going to go with Elio and go a B minus. I was almost at a C plus two. I see what you mean. It's right in that kind of territory yeah. there, but I feel that it was just a bit better than last week's to give it the B minus. So that's where I'm going to go with this week. So, folks, check it out. Uh, also, don't forget on WPOV Wrestling, they'll be uh, doing their breakdown of uh, AEW and NXT. Uh, 
now you jumped back and forth, Andy, between NXT and you watched some of uh, some of it. A little bit, yeah. Did did you get a sense it was a better show that, or it's just uh, too hard to judge? You didn't see enough. Well, it, it, it's. I mean, and I did it more during the first hour uh, of AEW. Easy. Which, <laughs> exactly, and that's why. Um, you know, I saw a little bit of uh, Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Uh, from what I saw, I liked. Um, I know there was a, a there was some women's stuff. I don't know who it was. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. I think I threw this in the message. Not uh, about a new girl. I don't know if it was new or not. Cause I, I couldn't really because it was an Asian girl. Oh, is that Zaya Lee? yes, thank you. She's been around for a long time. Okay. Yeah, she did. She just yeah, repackaged yeah. her because she turned on somebody or whatever. Because yeah. the girl. She, okay, the I will say this, and this is the one thing that I that stood out to me. Uh, the overall production to me mm-hmm. for for NXT looks slicker, more professional than Dynamite. Okay. Uh, you know, like especially kind of like head to head, like channel flipping, like that. Yeah. Um, watching Zia Lee, her entrance, the, the, you know, I have never seen this before. So if this was, you know, if this is something you guys have seen and, and our listeners, if this is something you're familiar with, cool. This is my first time seeing it. I was so impressed. Like it, to me, it felt like it was like a Mortal Kombat kind of uh, uh, entrance. Yeah. But it, to me, when I saw that, uh, it kind of, brought me back to one of TJ's favorite women's wrestlers, oh. Abaddon. Oh, God. <laughs> and just, just in the sense that I'm, I'm watching this entrance and I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm hooked on this entrance and the, you know, for the production and value, the professionalism, how badass it looks to me. It's like, man, it's like, you know, I would love to see, what WWE would do with Abaddon, like you know, all mm-hmm. greenness aside, whatever. But this was something that we talked about, yeah. and this was something that I was a very big proponent of when we, you know, when when uh, they were showing Abaddon, was just like you know, if she was packaged better, if she was presented better, mm-hmm. and just seeing that there was Zaylee, I'm like, man, like I would love to see what they would do with with Abaddon, or if, if you know, like if she was the one that was with Bray Wyatt, say instead of Alexa Bliss, like. Man, <laughs> well, yeah. that, you know, like if they had like their, like they're kind of like creepy, like you know what I mean? Just just yeah. the, the, just the presentation. I guess the only thing we'd have to that would be sad is you know that WWE would change something because Abaddon is her creation, so they yeah. would well, change something and would it go better or worse? Who knows? Maybe well, it'd be from, better <laughs> from, from what AEW did with her. I don't think it could be much worse. True, they really uh, dropped the ball on the presentation yeah. of this. Girl. The vignettes, if it was leading up to uh, her return, uh, were pretty good. I was, I was they were wondering pretty... where they're gonna, where they were gonna go with this. I'm not sure if good, but they were high fantasy. Uh, she was kidnapped, and her and that no, other guy so, brainwashed, so tortured. I was just uh, like, "What? What's going yeah. on?" Yeah, it was like a bad kung fu movie till the end, and they still haven't explained why she's changed or who's made her. Yeah, but she, she's like she looks Katana way different now. She looks like Katana from uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Well, she looks like a legitimate fighter, and if you'd seen her before, yes. Andy, she used to come out and just look like one of those Chinese circus girls who would like do the kung fu, yeah, yeah. moves in the thing, twirl some, you know, like big pom-pom or, some, or whatever you call that thing and they do it really cool but they had that very clean look to them yeah and then yep, you look yep. at her now and it's like that's the same girl wow she looks wow. like street fighter dirty right now yeah so. yeah 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 interesting yeah so folks uh we really enjoyed uh coming on this week uh 
talking with you guys. Uh, watch wrestling. Keep watching the stuff. And uh, Andy, uh, you have yourself a great week. I am Thank working you. on a part. We're working on a guest for this week, and who knows? I'm throwing it at 50% that the guest for quarantine this week works through because we've had some weird issues with it, but we'll find out. I know who you speak of. Yes. So we're praying we get him because I think it'll be a fascinating topic. It's it's quite the task in trying to get him all set up. (laughs) Well, I would say so. I would say so. It's a devil of a time. That's for sure. Um, Anyhow, Elio. Hopefully you can uh, master things before Monday. I would hope so. I would hope so. And uh, anyways, Elio, yeah, I can't think of another one. Elio, <laughs> have yourself a good night. And uh, you know what? Why don't uh, you say good night to the good people today? All right. Fans, we'll talk to you all next week.